So for me, virtual concert, <laughs> Elon Musk, you know, uh, neurally yeah. planting in my brain, that all kind of coexists together as a, as a, as a semi-cyborg. I subscribe yeah. to that feature. <laughs>
And then one noteworthy thing that I found surprising is that Cod Mobile is on track to exceed 1 billion in consumer spending over the year. So uh, that was, um, yeah, some quick highlights. Um, Aaron, what stood out to you from uh, from all this? Yeah, two things. I mean, first, I do think it is important to start with the elephant in the room a bit, which is Activision Blizzard's culture problems. And I'm glad that we're going to be addressing just more harassment, diversity, and inclusion in the industry and in the coming weeks. But that that really is the leading story of the quarter here with Activision Blizzard, too. And most people know the story by now. We covered it in the newsletter. You just shared some highlights. But, you know, the state of California sued the company on claims of harassment and an unequal working environment. The company had a really bad response afterwards, which spurred employees to act, demand changes. They conducted a walkout. And we're now starting to see those changes. And that conversation is really what what dominated this past quarter. The first real slide in the investor presentation deck was about what actions the company is taking and reinforcing their dedication to employees is how every executive started their comments in the earnings call. And so, right, as you mentioned, those changes including like included firing the the former president of Blizzard who who may or may not be the fall guy in this scenario. Mm-hmm. They also um, axed the head of HR, which is probably the right call. Um, they're investigating many claims, etc. So I do think that the company is serious about improving um, its culture, especially when it comes to like just bringing harassment down to zero. But you, you really can't change a culture with a snap of your finger, especially mm-hmm. when it's still being run by the same person over the span of decades. And there's much more to talk about this. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, the second part is the financial results themselves. As you mentioned, bookings were expectedly down a bit year over year, like most all big publishers who are fighting difficult comps. But the company is still gushing cash. They now have $6 billion in net cash on their balance sheet. And and one bright spot was strong double-digit growth in mobile, which now makes up 40% of the company's bookings. And they also said they didn't see a noticeable impact from IDFA changes. So so numbers-wise, we can nitpick a couple things here and there, but it's it's generally fine, in my opinion. And what's always more interesting to me than the backwards-looking numbers that are just specific to like a three-month period is confirmation that the company is still well-prepared for the future, which it is. Fiscal 2022, and right now, this was the second quarter of fiscal 2021, but fiscal 2022 in particular is is looking to be another step change improvement for the company as they continue their strategy of building ecosystems around their top franchises. For example, um, they talked about how there's another mobile Call of Duty game in the works, two Warcraft mobile games being developed. And we already know Diablo has a big couple years coming up with Diablo 2 Remastered, Diablo Immortal, and Diablo 4. So, so frankly, the company itself, despite the ongoing culture issues that definitely need to be improved, but the culture, the, the company itself is still in a pretty good spot, I think. Jan, what are your thoughts on this? If any, yeah. Well, I I think the the cultural piece is is obviously critical. I think for the longevity of the business and the ability to attract the greatest talent. I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a founder. I'm a CEO, and I'm not even publicly traded yet. But I know fully that <clears throat> the future of any organization lies uh, exclusively with the quality of the talent and the ability of the organization. Uh, to not only attract great talent, but you know retain great talent. And I think, 
you know, Activision Blizzard are, are in a tough spot with regards to that. They have a lot to prove. Um, but if you look at the fundamentals of Activision Blizzard, I mean, you know, 33, 4, 35, 38, 40% operating margin across their three divisions, right? Blizzard, Activision, King. I mean, these are these are extraordinary numbers are for, you jealous, for any business. Uh, I'm, I'm not jealous. I'm, 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 I'm you know, aspiring to, yeah, to get that, there too. Yeah, yeah, Yes, that's, I mean, th this is just fantastic results for, for any organization. Uh, you can imagine their growth margins are probably even, you know, fantastic. I don't know the numbers off, off the top of my head, but the results, the, the company is growing, their brands are growing, they're spending more now going into mobile. They have lovable content, uh, you know, uh, content, lovable IP. People love their games. Um, and so I would imagine that in the interim phase, they, they should be fine. Uh, they do, they're doing well performance-wise. But, you know, when you think about a company, you know, three, five, seven years down the line, which I'm sure a lot of their institutional shareholders think about, uh, you know, only 1% of the company shareholding is owned by insiders. Right. This is a this is a re this is almost a fully publicly traded company, mm -hmm. uh, whole you know owned by institutional. I think they think three, five, seven years down the line, um, the the you know believing that the company leadership is the one that is going to be able to build a a an organization for the future of workforce um, that needs to be proved. You know, I think over the next eighteen to twenty four months, as and as I like to say to my team all the time, execution speaks louder than words. Great that they have a slide on that at the beginning of their investor, uh, their mm -hmm. analyst presentation. Uh, over the next 12, 18, 24 months, they're going to have to walk the talk. They're going to have to put their money where their mouth is. And I think ultimately it falls on the CEO to, to build that leadership. And um, probably if anyone can do that after two decades at the helm um, is, is the CEO. But I, I think the shareholders are starting are going to start holding him more accountable for, you know, what they actually do on, on that front. And. Uh, action speaks louder than words. So let's see what they're doing over the next, you know, 12, 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, before we talk about change in leadership uh, at Blizzard specifically, um, I'm curious to have your guys' thoughts on, uh, you know, Bobby Kotick. I don't know how long he's been the CEO of uh, Activision now, but it feels like a lot of the problems, as you said, Aaron, start at the top, right? Can he be the one to initiate this fundamental change? Or do you think uh, the company would be better off with someone new? I think he's been at the company for like 30 years. He's the mm. one with an investor group who bought Activision essentially out of bankruptcy and turned it into what it is today. So I think how the business stands today, he is a pretty critical leader. That's not to say someone else couldn't come in and, mm. and do a good job leading this business. I just don't, I don't necessarily see him stepping down or moving aside mm -hmm. necessarily anytime soon. And I do think that this is a culture that can improve, partially because it was so bad that um, just putting in place certain measures is just going to automatically make it better. But also, like, um, I mean, this is a company that, and like a leader who has had a pretty strong grip on the business. And if he really wants to push forward an agenda and priorities, I do think that, that it will happen. I also think that this is probably just the start of the conversation for the company. Um, and, you know, baseline, there there will be zero tolerance for bad behavior. and They'll become more mm. rigorous about measuring and ensuring things like equitable pay um, and promotions actually happen. Um, there's still rumblings of unionization, which, 
you know, I, I don't think anything really is going to happen there. But the fact that it's even being talked about when a company has, you know, 40 to 50% operating margins just shows that the the scales got tipped a little too heavily in one direction, probably towards stakeholders or shareholders when really like when you're mm-hmm. building a business, like you do need to find um, more win-wins across all of your stakeholders from mm-hmm. employees to customers to shareholders to suppliers, et cetera. Um, and the fact, it, it just looks like the scales got a little too tipped in one direction that they now need to balance that out and and help find more of those wins for other stakeholders, primarily employees in this case. Um, and I also think the conversation around things like lofty executive pay and how that plays into like equitable mm-hmm. discussions and like board of directors diversity. I think that those are next. And so far, I mean, I do think the CEO has mostly def- deflected responsibility so far on this. And even when you look at the earnings call, like he led with his with his statement, but then like didn't say anything. And, and mm-hmm. part of that is just like, you know, just kind of like taking it slow while like tensions are really high and anger is hot. Um, but I do think more conversation is to come that probably will have a larger effect on leadership itself. So, so yeah, we'll see what they do over the next year. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be nothing. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want to add that, you know, I'm, I'm, it kind of blows my mind. You know, I'm, you read about these companies so big, $60 billion market cap, been there for ages. And you go to the website, there is all these extravagant things like corporate governance. And, and like, we do this, we do that, sustainability. And, and then you read and there's like a total disaster from, from a, the way you treat um, people, the way you build teams, the way you take care of the organization. And look, I'm not a publicly traded company CEO yet. But, um, you know, yeah. when I think about the world we live in, when I think about what people has gone th- have gone through, when I think about the Me Too movement, when I think about COVID, remote work, a new generation of people stepping into the workforce, and in a world that is financially radically different um, than you know what our parents um, have, have been through, uh, and even what we're going through, right, as younger or older millennials. And what, what flabbergasts me is that the lack of fortitude, the lack of vision, and the lack of understanding of the times we're at and the shifting of what people care about after Me Too, after COVID, and waking up and seeing what has been transpiring over such a long time in a company that has so many admirable brands and games that people really, really love, but seeing really what happens inside the organization, I'm just flabbergasted. It's just you have to ask yourself, is it really so far-fetching to understand or difficult to comprehend that at the base of any successful organization, it's the people? And that kind of would flabbergast me when I read about corporate governance and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I mean, this is like basic stuff. You have no game. You have no company. You have no winning IP without building an incredible culture, which is, by the way, probably the most difficult thing. Don't get me wrong. Building... Call of Duty, building these kind of successful franchises is is a monumental task. And sustaining that success over such a long time is extraordinary and a testament to the incredible work of, of the people at Activision Blizzard. But building a thriving culture where people are not only excited to join, but also excited to stay um, and feel like they're rewarded, self-fulfilled, happy, healthy. If that's not your number one priority as a company leader, 
I, I don't know what you're doing. Mm. Just my opinion. Yeah, it's all, all starts with, with people, starts and ends with people all, always. But you know, if uh, like with, with these bigger companies, it's kind of like tr transitions to not people, but focusing mm. on money and, and earnings and, and that's, well, that's mm -hmm. a problem. Yeah, let's hope we'll see some change. And perhaps that change will come for from the new Blizzard leadership. So we have Jen O'Neill and Mike Ibarra. And this research, I saw a Reddit thread on that new leadership. And I saw like a bunch of, of, of gamers uh, who are a huge fan of Mike Ibarra because he's a hardcore gamer himself. He's like, he's super highly ranked in World of Warcraft, like as a top 300 guild uh, and all of that stuff. Yeah, curious if, if, if there's someone who will put, you know, the, the people, the gamers uh, and their team members first. Feels like it should be someone someone like that. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know the specific people well enough to comment on them as individuals, but I do see a pattern emerging that I can call out. Um, Mike Morham was the, the CEO of Blizzard before he stepped down a few years ago, and he was replaced with Jay Allen Brack, who was president. And Brack recently um, was replaced by... Um, by Jen and Mike, who are now co-leaders. And so we're seeing a, in my opinion, a clear path to, to Blizzard leadership being de-emphasized and less autonomous, which means the C-suite, you know, Bobby Kotick and team at large are, are more involved in calling the shots than ever before. So this change probably is good from a leadership standpoint. I don't, again, I don't know the people well enough, but I think part of the underlying story too is just like, Blizzard, like Blizzard of the past, and Blizzard of the of the future, are probably two different entities a bit, mm -hmm. um, in terms of like how decisions get made and how it ties into the broader Activision ecosystem, for for better or worse. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, curious to see uh, how that evolves, and hopefully we'll see some meaningful change, and some positive news in the future. All right, let's uh, move on to our second topic, which is. Android to dominate mobile gaming, question mark. So uh, in July, about a month ago, Google announced new advertising tools designed to help mobile game developers reach qualified players. Um, and so I suggest we quickly go through them. So um, our expert, Matei, can, can tell us what they mean. And please feel free to translate all of the acronyms and also treat me like I'm five I years old. Try. I will try. Because uh, I remember last time we talked about the user acquisition, uh, you and Janie were you know, throwing acronyms at each other and I had no clue what was going yeah. on. So uh, we, we had the yeah, definitely let's... a great time, but uh, I... Yeah, you guys had know, a great time. We tend to not realize that these acronyms are not used across the industry that much. Well, in the US space, definitely, but <laughs> there was that. It ends actually. Okay, so um, there are a couple of features that uh, were introduced uh, by Google. Um, basically, starting with TRAS bidding for ACE campaigns. Um, and what is this? So, Mr. Nico yeah. Jr., um, five year old. So, basically, ACE campaigns or uh, up campaigns for engagement. Uh, these were actually introduced by Google last year. And um, those campaigns allow developers to target ads to players that have previously installed the app or game. And this new okay. campaign, Tira's bidding, it like gives the setting to the developer the ability to bid against the ROAS, which is return on ad spent, uh, target over a cer certain period of time. Versus um, a bidding for link clicks or whatever that was um, available before. 
which is similar to the regular TROAS targets and campaigns that uh, are available on Google. Basically, this means retargeting your player base back to the game anytime you have a new event or new content or mm. you just want to retarget the lapsed payers back to the game. So, you know, you do the segmentation, do your homework and see the certain segments of, of payers um, haven't played your game for one, we one week. You want to get back mm -hmm. them to the game. Well, this is like a big feature for, for Google and the campaigns. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, something that already exists on Facebook, for example. And even mm -hmm. though I'm wearing a Google T-shirt, um, <laughs> I'm using Facebook a lot on the on a lot of other campaigns and um, and retargeting as well, and you were able to use this optimization already for almost a year or maybe even more. Um, obviously, like these campaigns also started as a link click optimization, so uh, you were optimizing for clicks rather than installs or any any other events. But they mm -hmm. um, introduced this as well, and um, honestly, I'm seeing very good results. But well, the question is for these specific um, campaigns and, uh, you know, I'm seeing uh, the retargeting, it's not very much used across the industry and uh, mm -hmm. it's like 50% of the game developers actually never used it before. I mean, they're mm -hmm. dreaming about it, but um, some experimented with it as well because it's, uh, it's pretty hard to get it right and uh, to create proper segments and um, proper creatives as well. And um, it looks like the only genre that actually mastered this uh, is a social casino. But any other genre, and, it, and a lot of devs are actually struggling with uh, using these type of uh, campaigns. So it's a nice feature, nice new feature, definitely um, using it, but on a very low scale. So I'm not sure if okay. this kind of moves the needle that much. Okay. What is most more important or like... Uh, definitely caught my attention is the, the TROAS bidding, which is optimized for ads revenue. So just to take a step back, because- uh, Thank you, yep. <laughs> TROAS uh, on whatever biddings, there are multiple levels of bidding on, on Google campaigns. So first is uh, mobile app install optimization, where you, for, um, where you optimize for app installs. Then you have app event optimization, obviously events, purchase event, um, level achieved events, or whatever events you can imagine uh, you are tracking in the game. And then there is the TROAS optimization, which is basically, well, hunting for wealth. So you're optimizing for value and the uh, value mm -hmm. of the purchases. Um, and this is now possible to to use in, their, in terms of ad revenue. So you are aiming or hunting the ad whales, which is also also a term and these these people actually exist so um this is a new thing which is amazing and it's like really powerful but what um what is really important to mention is that uh, you can only use this if you have the ad mob mediation so uh you know using google tools to be able to use and leverage the the better performing campaigns and this is definitely one of the one of the ones but the, okay. the most problematic thing on the on this is like the admob mediation uh is definitely not very much used in in the industry and uh, a lot mm -hmm. of our developers like uh, using uh, myron source or max by applavin so um this is kind of you know weird move but I, I i get it because they won't have everything under one roof and uh, and compete mm. with uh 
with uh, with Apple definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any any questions, Nico? I must say, um, I, I I could kind of follow. Obviously, I'm a yeah. I mean, okay, it takes a while to really get like you have to do it to finally like understand you know the nitty gritty stuff. But uh, you know, I could follow. You're building the the game company anyway, so you should you That's should true. know. That's true. Any other questions, yeah. guys? Before we, we where do you move? think it goes from here? Um, like it, it seems like Google's sort of stepping up its game, partially in reaction to Apple <laughs> stepping yeah. down its game for companies. <laughs> um, do you think that they'll like continue to? Uh, do you think that one Android will continue to evolve to be more friendly uh, to to UA people? And then I I would also just kind of have a question on Apple. Like they pulled back a lot, but do you think as like more updates roll on that they'll they'll still find other ways to be to serve companies better. Yeah, I, I'm really sad Manu is not here because the the privacy first world would be a, definitely a term <laughs> we would use. <laughs> but first thing, Apple definitely fucked up the the UA world. But um, we are starting to figure it out things, and as you said, like there are coming more more and more updates, and uh, things become clearer definitely. And um, you know, Android was kind of like uh, really developer friendly for you know soft launching the games all the games because you have um from the day zero the the programs like beta programs where you can get featured and get traffic for for free well for free basically and um and you have like uh, native app store optimization tools there as well uh you know google experiments you can a b test all the screenshots icons which is now coming to apple as well uh in september so I think um, Android was always like very much doing well in terms of like developers, even from my point of view, when I was trying to 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 see which platform to use for soft launches, I always picked Android because, well, iOS was really slow for the approval process. It, in back in days, in, it took like seven days to, to actually approve a new build. And um, now it's two days or one day, of course, but still it's for Android, it's in hours. So um, Android is definitely, or Google is definitely on a very good way to to attract more and more eyes from the developer perspective. So what else would they need to do for you to like be a serious contender? Because if I understand you correctly, um, they're slightly moving the needle, but it's it's not enough yet. Well, it is it is really good all of these features and there are like more features like reinstall exclusions and deep linking for uh, these um, um, retargeting campaigns. But it's still pretty hard to to target the, the, those like millions of devices and the, the low end devices that are still in the market. And it's um, you, you can have like a lot of hacks how to uh, exclude these type of um, devices from the campaigns. But this is only available on Facebook, on maybe on some ad networks as well. But really, Google, since they moved into this like machine learning uh, bullshit universal app campaign, and it, like the UA managers lost control of uh, all the placements and uh, and everything, this kind of sucks. So you know, I always want to have a control under uh, or over what I'm what I'm doing on the UA front, and now I'm I'm kind of like watching this black box magic to happen. Hmm. All right. Um, Jan, do you have any thoughts? Does this touch your life in any way? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not, uh, yet. Uh, uh, Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess just from my point of view, like it's interesting to watch. It seems like like things are just like always changing all the time. They always have, and they always <laughs> will continue to. And so the current state between these two approaches probably is not the end state. Like I, and and I guess like my view, just looking like much higher level than Matei, who's you know in the weeds. Um, it has to like you know, sort this out every day and figure out what things mean, you know, <laughs> that's more difficult than like my, my high level, high level view, which mainly is that just like, I mean, people are still going to be playing games and spending money on Apple. Yeah. You know, like people mm. who are going to like buy iPhones will buy iPhones. People who buy Androids will buy Android devices and people are going to be still playing games and, and spending money in those games pretty much as they as they were before. And so, you know, nothing like too fundamental to like the user experience and how money is flowing. Um, it doesn't seem to be changing too much, at least from what I see. And this is just more like, it's more like, how do you optimize? Like, how do you test and how do you optimize? And just like, how do you measure, you know, money that companies are spending <laughs> just to try to try to align the best that you can with where, where those people are and where those dollars are going. And if there really are issues here for, for someone like Apple, like I do, I do think that, you know, as more iOS updates roll out that the, like they will add more features and tools. They'll still will um, like focus on privacy, but so is Android. Android is also, you know, focusing on privacy. It's not even really about that. It's about like, how do you, how do you do that while at the same time empowering companies and as more like regulations roll out just around like hitting like app stores around the world in general like i could see more of a push again to to be to be friendlier so i don't know i just feel like we're in the middle of of this story like when you're in the weeds and you have to sort it out like it's it's a much bigger deal but yeah over time i think it'll it'll play out just fine for most people yeah we will figure it mm -hmm. out as, as always it's uh, just a matter of time mm-hmm Awesome. Then um, let's move on to the third topic. So I don't know what you guys were up to this weekend, uh, but I had nothing better to do than download and install Fortnite for the first time in my life and attend the Fortnite's Rift Tour, which featured Ariana Grande. And my Lord, was I rewarded. <laughs> um, me telling you about the experience would not do it justice. So I highly recommend uh, you find a video somewhere online to see the whole thing. Um, and if for some reason you want to watch my POV, I have put it on YouTube so uh, you can you can you can reach out and I'll, I'll share that. Was any of you guys there? Like, did any of you do it? Jan, yeah. you did it. I, yeah. Nice. So, what, do you, what were your thoughts? I thought it was I thought it was a cool experience. I uh -huh. I still think we are. First of all, music is cool. It was a fun experience. It was great to be mm -hmm. there. Great to see it. But but as cool as it was, I think that. You know, we're we're very much at the beginning of the beginning of of music mm -hmm. experiences in 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 virtual worlds, in games, in the metaverse. Uh, it was still very much a viewing experience. Uh, there there wasn't really game. It wasn't a gameplay experience. There wasn't like real play. You just view it immersively, and I think that's fine. I think there's a place for that in the future of music in in virtual worlds and games and the metaverse, but. I envision that there's going to be in orders of magnitude more exciting experiences in the future. Um, you know, with gameplay, with things that are more, also more, uh, uh, with, with more longevity. This was a 10 to 12 minutes concert. Mm -hmm. But, and so let me separate between what I think about what we've seen and between where I think we're going. In terms mm -hmm. of what we've seen, it was cool. 
Music was fun. It was a cool experience. It was fun to be there. Definitely shows you where this could go. Where I think it's going is 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 radically different, more immersive, more exciting, more playful, where you can actually do things in the concert. Mm-hmm. And so it's more it's it's so much more than just a virtual concert, which is what we mm-hmm. saw. Um, and so in a way, it wasn't that different from what we've seen a year ago with Travis Scott, right? Big avatar. It's kind of this interactive experience that you are immersed in as a viewer. Um, and in that regard, it was yet another great experience created by, by Fortnite and Epic. Um, but I'm excited about how do we really transform and reimagine you know, concert being part of a game experience. Uh, and I'm not going to share too much and can't share anything yet, really. But you know, we're <laughs> at Super Social. We're really thinking about that um, these nice. days and, and where that, that goes. Uh, but it was fun. It was 10, 12 minutes of, of, of good fun. I still enjoy even watching it on YouTube kind of as a standalone thing. Uh, uh-huh. I still think majority of the world, people like, you know, my wife and, and other people still probably look at it and like, you know, you know, WTF. <laughs> so, um, but it's cool. I thought it was fun. Come on. It was really definitely excited more as, uh, as I watched it on YouTube. I want to be in the Fortnite next time and experience it myself. Uh-huh. So, uh, well, for me, it was uh, really amazing. (laughs) I feel like a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was fun. I mainly play on console, and I could just never get the hang of, like, building in Fortnite. (laughs) Like, on the console (laughs) controllers, it's so, like... Fortnite just made me really mad, and I like I uninstalled it and have it yeah. haven't, haven't played it. I'm getting roasted by you know twelve year olds out there who who know how to build better than I do. Um, but I mean, uh, whenever they drop an event, I'll still go check it out. I mean, it's great engagement for them. It's great marketing um, for them. You know, it pulls in tens of millions of players and views. Um, but yeah, I agree with Jan. I still think that we're at the tip of the iceberg, and Fortnite. You know, with these events, they're they're always like pushing the limit in some way, um, and I think, you know, like adding like more like mini games in this one, like you know, there wasn't like too much to it, but it was something that was new, and you can kind of see mm. they're they're testing like new things out still. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're still still scratching the surface. Not every event needs to be a concert. Not every event needs to forever be fragmented into several thousand instances with fifty people in each one um and then yeah i mean third if i had to guess i think that epic in general is moving more to a place that will enable more teams and individuals to not just experience these things but also build events themselves Mm. um you know maybe a year ago i i tweeted something like like imagine like when fortnite creative mode gives everyone the tools not just to socialize and build things like death runs but like it it also allows anyone to build their own events that others can join um don't want to overthink that too much but tim sweeney liked that tweet so maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's far less far-fetched than 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 you might think it just is a really hard problem from many angles to solve for Um, but yeah fortnite is definitely pushing the limits so is Mm -hmm. roblox and so i i think even when you throw in something like miles like we saw with rival peak like that's like another type of event and so i think you know as kind of the spectrum of like what interactive entertainment means like we'll just see more more events more games etc along that spectrum that try new things and kind of push the limits in various ways Mm mm-hmm I feel like when we're talking about these, like, 
things in games that are way more than that. Uh, there's two names that always come up. That's Epic and Roblox. Are those two the, like the real frontrunners for you guys? And all the, uh, are they going to be the one who, I don't, I don't want to say like crack the code, but like really make something that's really worth doing or something really new? I mean, look, you need to think about ecosystems, right? What you have with Epic and Roblox, you have audience, you have the tools, right? The engine, the graphics, mm -hmm. and you have the publishing capabilities, right? So those, those three things need to be in place to create these immersive environments, mm -hmm. accessing millions and millions of people, and then also providing the publishing capabilities, monetization, economy, and so on and so forth. So it's not surprising that Roblox and Epic are at the forefront of that because they have that. It's not trivial to suddenly hey, to say to like uh, you know for Google to say like, oh oh we we gotta go into this like oh yeah let just three D engine yeah publishing great mm -hmm. yeah um, and then hundreds of millions of people who can access these experiences great let's do that. There is a reason why Epic and Roblox in my mind over the next decade are going to be era defining technology companies because of what mm -hmm. you're starting to see just mm -hmm. like you know other companies have been in the previous decade and so they're definitely at the forefront of that they're definitely in my opinion are going to continue and be leaders in the emergence of all sorts of interactive experiences and and again if you go back to talking about the metaverse and the metaverse is an evolution of interactive experiences to the next level being more immersive more social ever more expansive persistent always on um music is obviously a massive content vertical slash industry that is going mm -hmm. to be reimagined in those type of platforms. um i do think there's going to be other players right you have companies you know my 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 friend Adam, founder of WaveXR, who are doing virtual concerts, right? They're building this technology and ability to also publish. There are other companies that, of course, are in this sphere, um, either if it's music companies or if it's, or if it's uh, technology companies. Uh, but when you think about those, those three things, um, right? An engine, access to an audience, and the ability to publish and monetize, um, mm. Roblox and Epic are, are at a different stratosphere. And I would even say that from a uh, making the creation accessible and building a business, um, I would even say that Roblox is, 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 is way ahead of, of, of Fortnite, right? Mm. Epic wants to turn Fortnite into a platform. Roblox is already a platform. Mm. And they're, they're very much ahead of, ahead of that. Today, you can make concerts inside Fortnite, but Fortnite is still very much a game with a certain graphical experience. Roblox mm -hmm. is completely fragmented and, and decentralized in a way, making it available for anyone to create those type of experiences. And so I think the, the possibilities are, are immense in both of those platforms, but I think it's going to be in a different timeline. And it really depends when you're thinking about it as an artist uh, or a creator, it really depends on, you know, what type of business you want to build, which platform is better suited for that as well. Ultimately, I think both platforms will serve creators and, and artists um, in different ways, in different timeline, different scale. Um, but it's exciting to see that. And, and, you know, Epic and Roblox are doing constantly more and more music events. And I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it's beautiful. And just like Spotify uh, did to streaming of music, um, I think the metaverse will introduce completely new business models of how music is created, published and monetized in the future. Hmm. I think that was really well said, Jan. I, I think, um, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world why Epic and Roblox will continue to be the leaders in this. Um, and Like, they're, they're the innovators. I think we will probably see some other companies that have some of those pieces that you laid out, um, even within the gaming world, um, imitate 
and kind of follow along in some ways like like you know like other big brands with big audiences that have resources like activision with call of duty or even ea with something like apex like they have their own seasons and events around things it, mm-hmm. it makes sense how those could become more interactive and do some interesting things with them it doesn't have to be concerts but like you can do like we'll probably see more immersive events of various types in these other mm-hmm. huge games um which will be really interesting to see and i do think i do think miles is something that sort of it like sort of operates in this world too that like has been very nascent but will probably over the next five or so years pick up in a pretty major way and in that case it's less about like one company having all of the pieces in house and it's more about you know uh, companies that may have massive audiences and like a knack for content being paired with another company that has the right um the right technology and the right expertise and them coming together to build new types of experiences, you know, pairing the technology with Facebook as we saw uh, with rival peak, but we'll also probably see that in other places like Netflix too. So, so really this is, you know, just to kind of reiterate what Jan is saying, like it makes sense why it's starting in the world of gaming and why it's starting with Epic and Fortnite. But ultimately this is much more about entertainment at large and the metaverse or whatever you want to call it kind of pulling all of these pieces together in a new way we haven't seen before and i mm-hmm. i don't know i'm stoked that sounds awesome i'm excited to to live that as a consumer if if i'm spotify or unity i would try and acquire one another whoa that's interesting oh, because spotify <laughs> spotify in my mind needs to become metaverse first music company right and unity you know, needs to figure out how they build music experiences on top of their engine. And I think there is just, I know kind of, it's kind of wild, weird, semi-bold prediction, but, you know, I don't think either of them can actually acquire one another, but I'm just saying, you know, wild merge could happen and between something like Unity and, and Spotify. That is wild. I doubt that'll happen, but I could totally see if anything more partnerships, like like tons of partnerships forming just around like entertainment and tech in so many different ways that mm. that level up everyone. We're in the age of the merge, so I'm just I'm just throwing out bold predictions. Yeah. <laughs> At some point you'll you'll hit one and then it's going to be like holy shit, Yon. So Big it's like new. it's like Nouriel Rubini, you know, the 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 economist. If you if you if you if you say, you know, every year we're getting into a, a shock and a, and a black yeah. swan. Ultimately, you're going to get it right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So how long will it take, uh, according to you guys, will it take Facebook to make an event like this in Oculus? It's going to be soon. They have to do it. If they yeah, want to be a real metaverse company. I want to see this in VR, definitely. But yeah. When you say Oculus, I, I, I think you, know, you need to think about Horizon, right? Which is, which is kind of the consumer environment, the virtual environment, the virtual world that they want to build as, as, a, as a consistent experience. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I think the reality is, uh, no pun intended on you know, Facebook reality labs, um, <laughs> I think the reality is that you, you, you got to get there. You just, you, I haven't seen any experience yet. I, I don't even know where Facebook Horizon is at, uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to compete with the type of experience, the type of the type of engagement and the type of, 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 of games that, that are built, um, you know, on, on, on Epic and, and Roblox. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying, just looking historically, um, 
I just I I don't believe that Horizon can really be a contender to what you're seeing on Epic and Roblox in in the in the in the near term. Interesting. I think Facebook will probably go more down the path of trying to enable other people to be able to launch those types of things through their own apps, through their own, mm. you know, connected like platforms or, you know, audiences that are built like within apps that go on the Oculus storefront. Mm -hmm. uh, but for something like this, like, I, I don't know, I feel like they would probably want to test this more out like on like eight, like Facebook itself more so than Oculus where mm -hmm. there's more of an audience and it's probably a bit less rigorous <laughs> technically speaking, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll see more development there over time beyond mm. Facebook, but lots of other teams in that ecosystem. I'm looking forward to that, man. I felt like um, being in the, the, the concert on Fortnite, it was very close to going, uh, like taking some, some mushrooms and, and, you know, just closing your eyes. It was, uh, it was quite an experience. All right. That's it for our three. I want to get, I want to say serious topics, but the, the, the last one was not very serious. Anyway, let, let's get into the, the bonus segment. So the, the game we're going to be playing is Would You Rather, again. Um, and the first question is for all of you. Um, so I'll start with Matei. Matei, would you rather only go to real concerts or only go to virtual Ooh, concerts? That's, that's tough. I really like real concerts a lot. But, okay, uh, I definitely want to see the VR stuff happening and uh, <laughs> might be uh, going with VR-only concerts. Bam. There okay. you go. For, yeah, well, not necessarily VR, but it's okay, virtual, virtual. But you're more specific even. Yeah. So even if, if I said only VR, then you would say oh, that. Yeah, only VR. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Awesome. Jan, how about you? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, at this point of time, at this point of time with where we are, I would still prefer to go to a physical concert, feeling that electricity in the air, mm. right? Um, but it's for the rest of your life, Jan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in the in the in the future, definitely virtual. I think you know. I think mm -hmm. I think that electricity will translate to virtual worlds, and mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be able to really experience it at a at a whole different at a whole di different dimension. Especially when Elon Musk, uh, you know, planted chips go into my nerve system and I can actually exactly. feel the electricity and the buzz. Yeah. So for me, virtual concert, <laughs> Elon Musk, you know, uh, Neuralink yeah. plant, planting in my brain, that all kind of coexists together as, as a, as a semi-cyborg. I subscribe <laughs> yeah. to that feature. <laughs> nice. Sign me up too. How about you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I'll probably join Jan as a cyborg. That sounds nice. that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like a fun time. Yeah, I mean, Indeed. if I'm future-proofing my life and thinking about multiple decades ahead, then <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanna I wanna live and experience all the innovation that's to come. Uh, I would true. I would hate to give that up. I mean, real concerts are awesome, but I I don't know. Living on the cutting edge of where the world and the internet is is heading sounds more exciting to me personally. Yeah, we will be the early adopters of the VR console, or the, the virtual console exactly. in the future. We will be the nerds, you know, <laughs> sitting in our couches while everyone's partying outside. <laughs> and then a few years later, we'll say, told you, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll be using those brain implants. Uh, like when we're old and we can we can no longer do things, we'll be uploading ourselves into the cloud so that we can continue to, <laughs> <Just> party. <laughs> to attend concerts <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah, nice. Awesome. All right. Then, would you rather now have, have more specific ones for uh, for uh, each of you? So, Matei, let's start with you. Okay. Would you rather do uh, growth or 
be in charge of growth for League of Legends Wild Rift or growth for Axie Infinity? Ooh, I I was worried we won't um, mention play to earn this podcast. I, we have to. I know, I know. Come um, on. Most probably, uh, I would go with League of Legends. I um, I have z- I know I have zero experience with uh, the play to earn uh, marketing, uh-huh. and I'm probably going to stay. It, it's going to stay that way. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I will go with the safe way this time. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Jan, would you rather only play on Roblox or never play on Roblox? <laughs> the rest of your life dude i'm all in on roblox oh yeah it's what i figured too. <laughs> yeah. how could he not in 10 be? years yeah, in 10 years in. yeah yeah easy cool. thanks that was an easy one all right <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> aaron would you rather only own xbox consoles or only own playstation consoles playstation because playstation is the one with the exclusives that you can only play on playstation but uh, with Xbox going all in on yeah. Game Pass, you, you don't need an Xbox to to play all of the, the games that go to Xbox. And I I actually wonder if at some point I don't maybe this won't happen anytime super soon, but seeing Game Pass come to PlayStation, I think uh, hmm. you know it would be good for Xbox, obviously. But I'm also thinking it might actually be okay. Kind of interesting for PlayStation in the sense that it kills the number one value proposition for most anyone to <laughs> to buy an Xbox and kind of solidifies their reign in the console world. I don't know if that'll happen, but yeah, we'll go with go with only PlayStation, which is what I which is what I own and already chose in my yeah. real life. Um, but we'll we'll still make sure to check out Game Pass through other means. Yeah, I, sh- I should have made that question better. Okay, for next time. I'll, I'll figure that out. Found the loophole. Cool. Yeah. You found a loophole like like Anton did last week. Yeah. Goddamn. I need to be smarter about this. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm getting better. Cool. Yeah, it was all good. The good question. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that rounds up the episode. Thanks for joining me, Matei, Jan, and Aaron. Um, next week, the Metacast is taking a week off. I said I wouldn't do it, but we are not able to find new people <laughs> to record or pre-record an episode. So, um, yeah, you can, there won't be a roundtable episode. However, you can expect an interview episode to come out on next Tuesday or Wednesday. Can we say who that's from, Aaron? Uh, let, let's let it be a surprise. Let's, <laughs> let's make it a surprise. Okay. Super excited for that. It's going to be interesting. Um, so, yeah, listener, if you like what you heard, feel free to uh, give us a five-star rating. Comment and subscribe to the show. And for more content about the business of games, you can visit navic.co. And if you have any questions or remarks, please reach out. You can find us at metacast at navic.co and also on LinkedIn and Twitter. This was the Metacast by Navic, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Cheers. (laughs) 